Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Hey guys, I hope you had an amazing Halloween weekend. We had a lot of fun. Um, just, you know, with family and stuff like that, doing a couple of activities. And we are now into November, which to me is absolutely wild. And it's like this year has gone by so fast. And at the same time, this year has been like 40 years long. So with um, tomorrow being election day, no matter how you decide to exercise your vote, please go out and vote. And Um, if you live in America or anywhere else to encourage us to keeping some semblance of democracy, that would be great. Um, any, a few housekeeping things would be that, um, you know, don't forget to, if you have a question to submit a listener question, we're about to have a new way to do that here pretty soon. So, um, I'll probably update you on that next week, but some, uh, some crazy stuff has been happening the last few hours. Um, I woke up last night to, uh, the house across the street being on fire engulfed in flames. And it was pretty crazy because earlier that day I was, um, you know, getting changed or something. I was at my boyfriend's house and I looked across the street and I could see that there was a man standing in the window who appeared to be naked. And I was like, Oh my God, what the heck? I had to do that question where I was like, is this a ghost or is it a real person? (laughs) And I was like, it feels like he's staring at me. Can he see me? This is really weird. And so I ran downstairs and um, got my partner. I was like, can you see him? And he's like, I can see him. Here, we have. We should call the cops. And so we called the cops and they didn't come. And so we went to sleep later that night. And this is Halloween night, full moon night. And I had this dream that I was in a cop car. And we were rounding the neighborhood And as we were rounding the neighborhood uh, corner, we started to come up to um, my partner's street. And I remember in the dream, I was saying, this is my partner's street. This is my boyfriend's street and woke up. And when I woke up, I turned around, I heard sirens and I opened the window. The house across the street was engulfed in flames, like completely on fire. And so all the fire trucks arrived and stuff like that. Thankfully, no one was hurt and there was no one in there, but pretty sure that that man that I saw earlier had something to do with it. So it was just a really weird way to end Halloween. And it was like, okay, we're here in November now. Shit is weird and nothing surprises me anymore. So in addition to that, I'm up, it's three in the morning um, because my grandfather is currently in the hospital getting ready to cross over. So that's kind of heavy. Um, I have a different relationship with death uh, in the last few years, especially since I do a lot of communication with my grandparents who have already passed. Um, So my parents 
uh, or my mom is actually in the hospital right now with a few of her siblings and a few of my siblings are there as well. I'm not able to make it there, unfortunately, and I feel shit about it. <laughs> um, so it's just, it's kind of an interesting kind of dichotomy of changing in seasons. And so to kind of see, or I wonder, I kind of wonder what kind of relationship I'll have with my grandfather once he crosses over and what that will look like as far as the way in which we, um, you know, communicate because in this life we actually weren't very close, but I wonder, um, I've had different relationships with my grandpa or grandparents once they have passed. So, um, keep my family in, in prayer meditation and send them some positive vibes as we go through this transition. But, um, yeah, it's kind of just like a weird thing to, to look at and deal with and think about life in such a, um, you know, just a, a very, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a grounded way, looking for life or looking at life in a very grounded way and seeing how, you know, how, how full you could live a life and it still be super short. So anyway, uh, let's head to our listener question. Hi, Aaliyah. Um, my question is on twin flames. Is it possible that is it possible that he could be my twin flame, but he won't know it in this life because he is not ready or because he is not, I guess, in the right um, like reincarnation level, I guess, or both of us aren't because I feel the pull towards that twin flame energy that you were talking about in that episode but something feels disconnected there so I guess I would love your thoughts on that hey great thank you for your question um I'm gonna tell you something the twin flame concept bothers me I know that there's some sense of truth to it and lots of people identify with it but the trouble I have with the concept is that there is this ultimate relationship that you get into that, that at least from, you know, a presenting stance sounds actually pretty toxic. And maybe that's just me. Um, maybe my interpretation of it is not correct. However, um, a lot of people, if you guys aren't not familiar with tw what twin flame is, is essentially the idea that, um, your soul has split into and come down on earth to, um, you know, kind of come together and that you guys will be some of the largest catalysts for each other, uh, as far as growth goes, but it will be some of the most painful shit you've ever been through. And, um, once you finally get together, it's, it's praised as like this, the most ultimate love that you could experience. And so it has a very tempting kind of, um, you know, concept attached to it. And I think that unfortunately, a lot of people use that phrase as a way to stay connected to people that aren't for them and, or it could be toxic for them in some kind of way, trying to rationalize that this is the person that they were meant to be with. And I challenge that because I've been through it. <laughs> there was someone I was attached to for almost two years saying this person is the twin flame. And, and there was definitely 
soul recognition. I definitely recognize this person and we've had some lives together. There'd be, I would go to other mediums and they'd be like, oh yeah, the guy with the blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, this is insane, you know? And knowing that all those signs seem to point to it, even like, I'll give you an example. We, we, um, he came here to visit me for Thanksgiving and like, we weren't in a relationship or anything like that. We were just friends at the time. And we, we stood in front of, um, a fireworks display to take a picture. And when we took a picture, um, three of the fireworks in the photo formed a heart and it was right between our heads. And I was like, what if this isn't a fucking sign? <laughs> I don't know what it is. And I kept having this, uh, this, um, idea that this person just didn't know yet that we were twin flames. Like, okay, there's the runner and then there's the chaser. And at some point he would realize that I was the person for him and you know, all this other nonsense, not nonsense. I'm sorry. I don't mean to like, um, you know, make it condescending, but I was chasing after someone who was never meant to be mine. And in fact, that person ended up teaching me so much about myself and how much I didn't value and, and, um, you know, consider myself worthy of a relationship or an emotional connection that was, you know, beautiful and, and pursuant of me. And so I think that that's kind of the danger in that is that there's this idea that, um, perhaps we're missing out on the greatest love we could ever experience when in fact that love and presenting stance is actually pretty toxic. And so I would challenge you, um, you know, as far as that pull that you're talking about, uh, the pull that I was feeling and a pull that a lot of people feel is not actually that soul necessarily destined connection. Rather this parent person mirrors back the wounds that you have. And it, the attraction is so great because it's like, that's something that you yourself identify with so much that it feels like your guys are identical in a way when in fact, you're just suffering from the same thing. And while that could be a catalyst for a lot of people in their own relationships that end up being really good, you know, for other people, it is that, is that gaping wound that makes us attracted to people that aren't necessarily good for us. And in your terms of saying, maybe he doesn't know it, or he's not reincarnated, or you're not both reincarnated. I don't think that has anything to do with it as much as, you know, what, what area of level of healing have you progressed to and what level of essentially attraction are you mirroring? If that makes sense, are you attracting people in who mirror back to you what it is that you need to work on, which is why they feel so attractive or feel so like visceral to you in that kind of sense. Um, feel free to reject this idea completely, but from my experience, it's something I've dealt with. And unfortunately I've seen and had a lot of clients who have dealt with this twin flame concept. And while it's beautiful in, in, in theory, um, I, I unfortunately see a lot of people abusing the, the term, not abusing it. I mean, they really genuinely think that that's what's going on. And I can't take that away from them, but I'm seeing them stay in these relationships that ultimately will, you know, be unsatisfying or you'll really need to walk away from at some point. And maybe they were there to teach you to walk away, you know, to walk towards yourself essentially. So that's my take on it. That's a long answer to the question, but I hope that that helps you. So let's go on to the episode. 
Christine Gutierrez, MALMHC, is a Latina licensed psychotherapist, life coach, and expert in love addiction, trauma, abuse, and self esteem, and author of the new book, I Am Diosa A Journey to Healing Deep and Loving Yourself and Coming Back Home to Soul. She's also the co founder of the Soul Book Masterclass, where she helps people find their soul's voice and turn it into a book. Christine has a bachelor's degree from Fordham University in human behavior and development and a master's degree from City College of New York in mental health counseling with a focus on prevention and community. Through her work, Christine offers private coaching, group coaching, transformational retreats, such as her annual Diosa retreat in Puerto Rico and her annual Diosa mastermind retreat in Bali. In addition, Christine is the founder of Diosahood, a global community where like-hearted women gather to heal, to inspire another, and to collaborate. She's been featured in Time Out New York, Latina Magazine, Yahoo Health, Ebony, Cosmopolitan for Latinas, Huffington Post, Telemundo, and others. Today, we do a deep dive into I Am Diosa, which inspires women to give permission to themselves to feel, to be seen and heard, and return to their truest selves. This raw and relatable guide to radical self-care and self-love empowers readers to embrace the full, powerful Diosa within, and in this podcast, we will do the same. Please welcome back for the second time, Christine Gutierrez to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aaliyah Lovely, and today we are talking to Christine Gutierrez. How you doing, girl? Oh my gosh, it's been a whirlwind. I'm I'm tired and I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> now, Christine has been on our show before, so you guys might be a little bit familiar with her, but I particularly wanted to interview you because you just had a new book come out. And yeah. um, like you guys already heard the intro where we talked about all the things that she offers to the world and how just a powerhouse of a woman she is. Um, but today I'm super excited to just kind of dig into your book, I Am Diosa, and like talk about what that means, like healing, coming back to yourself and, and digging into that process. But before we get into that, as I ask all my guests, and if people haven't heard you before, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you, what got you to this point in your journey that you had this book to write. Yeah. I mean, since I can remember, I've always had this kind of like desire to help alleviate suffering. And I remember, you know, just being a little girl and being very drawn to the social injustices in the world, the issues that I saw, you know, even if it was something like homelessness and begging my mom to uh, speak to homeless people on the street and ask them their story. And uh, just really, there was this deep feeling inside of me that I wanted to make the bad or the pain go away. And ever since then, I feel like that kind of inner soul call to help alleviate suffering, to be part of making a change in the world has stayed with me and really following that inner call ever since, right? And so at the time, I didn't know what the word therapist meant or healer meant or, you know, spiritual teacher meant, but I was drawn to all those same things. And I always find it interesting when people talk about like that connection, right, between those little winks that you get since you're young mm -hmm. of what you're going to do in yeah. the future. And uh, I kept on doing the work uh, both internally, but also as I was serving the community and it was side by side. It wasn't like I was this fully healed. I don't believe that we're ever fully quote unquote <laughs> healed. Right. But, um, but I was still, you know, messing up, fucking up, going through a lot and still showing up for others. And it was this kind of simultaneous process until, you know, it was a journey of almost 10 years mm -hmm. and doing that work 
after 10 years, I got to see the results of it both in my life and also with the clients that I got to work with. And then it was like, okay, I feel ready. And it wasn't, you know, necessarily because I was doing the work for 10 years, but it was just something that happened. And I felt like I want to make this work more accessible. If not, everyone's going to come to a retreat. Not everyone's going to get to work with me one-on-one. This is the best way that I know how to kind of translate some of these teachings into a text that people can take with them and, and find with them for, you know, relatively lower costs. And so um, that felt like the next right thing for my soul to do. Mm. Hmm. Now you have uh, a crazy, crazy background of education that you've gone through traditional and non-traditional. Um, can you give our listeners just like a snippet of what that's been like? Cause you're, you're a clinical hypnotherapist. You are a clinical therapist. therapist, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. so here you tell them, I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I, I am a licensed, uh, mental health counselor. So men- mental health therapist and, what I specialize is in trauma. So emotional, verbal, physical, sexual abuse, uh, coping skills in order to uh, deal with the repercussions of that trauma and how it affects your nervous system and how it affects your relationships. And, uh, and then I fused, right? I went on a journey once I realized that there was something missing for me in the traditional path. So I got my master's and then I went on a journey, my own spiritual journey where I learned uh, Tantra meditation, breath work, uh, you know, shamanic practices that just came very natural to me, um, almost, you know, intuitively downloaded. Mm -hmm. Uh, The priestess path where I came in contact with la diosa, the feminine. So it was like this, this journey of both the very traditional kind of like clinical therapist, you know, very uh, the professional world, if you will, and then this kind of more spiritual world. And what I realized was that it wasn't that the spiritual world was less professional. That was what the colonized kind of version of therapy would have you believe. And so really it also became like this reclaiming of this wisdom, this cultural wisdom that we always have had Mm. that has always been therapy, but that hasn't been quote unquote deemed therapy. Mm. And I I, I write a line in the book that says the actual word uh, psychology is the study of the soul. And so that's important for people to know because it's not only the study of the mind, it's the study of the soul. And so that combination to me meant so much. And I got to see, especially working with mostly POC communities, that there was something about that and bringing in that spiritual aspect that really resonated and that had results come much faster. Yeah. For people who don't know what POC is, it's people of color. People and color, so, yeah. um, you're giving your background, you're at Puerto Rican and you live in Puerto yeah. Rico, right? Yeah. I live yeah. In Puerto Rico. So you, but you grew up in New York, Bronx, I grew up in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah. New Yorkian, born and raised. I was raised in Brooklyn and Bushwick. Very proud. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then in Queens and then, um, you know, I went all around the city when I was older. Um, and, then I moved to Puerto Rico after my master's for the first time, mm-hmm. really being drawn to reconnect to my roots. And both sides are from Puerto Rico, my mom and my dad's side. And I was the first one to kind of go back and live here. Mm-hmm. And there was something in me that was calling me back here, back home to this like actual physical earth of reconnecting to my roots. And, and now I live here again. 
Now, what was the healing process for you as you moved back to heal with those roots? Because for a lot of people and particularly indigenous people of, or people of color, like we don't have necessarily a physical place that we can go to, to feel like we can get rooted back into our indigenous traditions, get back to our family, get back to our culture, and probably have a sense of loss where we're not really sure about who we are, which then also feeds into like patriarchal structures and other things where we feel like we need to adhere to certain structures that in order to fit in. So what kind of healing took place for you when you experienced that going back in? For me, it was this very, um, you know, I'm grateful that I got the opportunity to go back to the actual like land of my ancestors. Right. But you know, I believe that we can find that many different ways. It doesn't have to just be that way. You know, we can connect, we can pray, we can look up traditions, ask for stories, you know, research. Uh, we can do whatever we need to do to reconnect because I think it's important for us to have this kind of cultural confidence wherever you're from and understand, um, you know, the painful parts and the beautiful parts and just really get to know yourself, right? Yeah. And so for me personally, it really was uh, a natural process and it felt effortless and like I needed to be there. And I got to see the power in our language, in our, you know, in the way that we show warmth, in the way that we love, in the way that we connect, um, the way that we dance, the music, the food, all of that gave me more power. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that I was really hurt and I didn't realize how much I was hurt by being in the wellness industry mm. and being consumed by so much white wellness. And uh, for me, although I'm a white presenting Latina woman, I always deeply identified as being Latina, a woman of color. Mm -hmm. And so although a lot of people didn't, you know, it's funny because one of my mentors, she was like, I never like, I knew you're Puerto Rican, but I never consider you like a woman of color. Yeah. And I was like, that's funny because I always call you my white mentor. I was so aware of your whiteness, but you mm -hmm. were unaware of like my woman of colorness, right? Like mm -hmm. for her, it was so not a thing. And there, you know, there's a, there's two sides to that, right? Like one of that is like, wow, how beautiful that we could relate, like, you know, from her perspective, right? Like how beautiful that we can relate that I don't, it didn't make a difference. But for me, I was internally going through so many things of like, you know, I'm different. I'm marginalized. And that's not just because I made that up, right? That's because we live in a structure that does that. And, you know, I had so many experiences in the wellness industry where people would come to me and share their like trauma and their deep shit. Cause they knew I wasn't going to judge them. They mm -hmm. knew that I had the capacity to hold that kind of Safe. space for them. Mm -hmm. But then when they would do a conference or do something, they wouldn't invite me or they wouldn't pay me to, to be on those platforms. Yeah. So I, I would be like, oh, I'm like your secret, like little healer, right? That you know I have this power, but it, but you don't want to put me at the the front lines of what you're doing, mm -hmm. and like you know the cool girl of you know cool girl spirituality, mm -hmm. and so it took a lot. And I think coming back to Puerto Rico was also like a I'm gonna own this for myself, and I'm gonna create that which I seek. And that was a big part of the reason why I created the Diosa community. Um, Diosa being the Spanish word for goddess, because I wanted a safe place for Latinx and women of color to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And it's open to all people that resonate with that vibe and that energy and that have respect for other, you know, cultures and that understand our experiences. Um, 
but I needed that. And so I created that because yeah. I saw how underrepresented we were in that market. And there, we, we have improved a lot, but there's so much more to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause uh, as a person of color myself, um, just seeing how, how little we see ourselves in the wellness community. And, um, for those of you guys listening who, who identify with that, or even if you don't just being aware of that and how powerful that can be for inclusion, for differentiation, for us being able to kind of acknowledge each other in a way that is going to be truly healing and not a way where we bypass, um, That's the it. feelings yeah. and trauma of other people that, like that have lived in America or wherever you are, whatever that looks like. Um, now this, this is a, a great point because when you first decided to name your book, I heard on another podcast that you were on that um, you were, you had a different name for it and that because you were worried about, and actually maybe you can expand on that better than I can. Yeah. Um, I, the original name of the book was the soul call. And it's not that that those words don't resonate with me because they do. They're words that I use a lot and it's in the book. But I had an internal conflict for a couple of reasons. One being that I was scared. I was scared what white women would think, really. Like, mm -hmm. I was scared that it wasn't going to be, like, as marketable or as approachable because not everyone knows Spanish, not even some Latinas, you know, that don't speak Spanish, right? So yeah. I was scared. I was like, I am Diosa. Um, is that okay? Mm -hmm. And so the reality was, was that when most people thought of my work, they thought of the word Diosa, mm -hmm. you know, they associated me with the word Diosa. I do my Diosa retreats every year. We're going into the ninth year. I have the Diosa community. I do, you know, all these things. And I always talk about, I am Diosa. And so that even arriving at and naming that title, first of all, it took a lot of introspection. It took a lot of vocalizing those fears and talking it out with, you know, my husband, with my book agent, with um, different people in my life. And I do have to say that I'm grateful that I had, you know, people in my life that knew that mm -hmm. there was something coming up for me and that were pushing me to be like, but who cares what? And I, you know, I remember like my husband's like, who cares what white women think, you know, mm -hmm. like who cares? Like, this is your book. This is your experience. This is what your, this is who you speak to. And the people that are going to resonate with it are going to resonate with it. And my book agent, Steve Harris, who's an amazing man and he's a white man, but he was deeply connected to the spirit of my book and my energy. And he was like, you know, all you do is about La Diosa. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that you would own that for yourself. Mm -hmm. So really it took a lot. And it wasn't until the very, very end that I was like, okay, I'm going to own this and claim it and stand in it. And that just goes to show, right? Like how the, the way that the world works and how it affects our brain and our consciousness and the fears that arise, at least for me in, you know, is it safe to own that? And what's so freaking ironic is that, you know, you have so many people that are not even from your culture that have no problem using, you know, these words that are like, that they have no personal connection to and, you know, make it into a thing. And I was just like, okay, I'm terrified to do this, but this is a word that is part of my culture. This is something that I've been doing for 10 years, you know, like owning that and claiming that and then sending in that email to my, you know, my publishing house and being like, let's go for it. Like I am Diosa yeah. was also me claiming that for myself. So it was, it was definitely a powerful moment. And definitely again, back to that, like that point of cultural confidence. Yeah. Now your book deeply talks about coming home to your soul. 
And yes. so in a lot of ways, even your title was you coming back to your soul and like yes. kind of a full circle situation there. Um, exactly. So if you can, like, um, obviously this, this whole interview is not about the book, but the book has so much tangible healing information about getting back in touch with yourself and remembering who you are. And so, and I've gotten to get into like pieces of it and stuff uh, before our interview. And something that I found as a topic compelling was coming face to face with our shadow. And even in your example about talking about like with, with the book and like you trying to like really come into contact with, okay, in this world, it's been really difficult for me to not difficult, but like operate in this wellness space where I may not have been accepted or I don't look like other people or, you know, whatever. And so what part of that was the most powerful for you when you had to come face to face with your own shadow? Um, when I was actually feeling that way in the wellness industry, you're asking like, what was that experience like mm -hmm. in facing my shadow there? I mean, you know, I went directly into finding community so that I could validate my experience. So again, like part of that was being able to say, I owe it to myself, right. To be able to look at these wounds and look at this pain that wasn't just planted by me out of nowhere, right? Like that was systemic and that I was not fully aware of. So in this case, it was almost like the shadows of like our, our society that were coming up in the shape of, you know, what a not diverse community looks like in wellness. And so I definitely, for me, support community was everything. That's what really allowed me to hold space for that, to look at that, to, to nurture those parts of me, to, you know, kind of reclaim those disowned parts of me and to sit in the discomfort of saying, you know, because it wasn't always, it, it, and that's the thing, right? It's not just like one person, right? Like I had an amazing mentor who happened to be white, who did accept me and love me, but her her not being Latina or a woman of color didn't give me that experience of being seen for what I was going through. So I needed other people that were going through the same thing to be able to talk mm -hmm. about those things safely out loud. And for me, that was everything. And I'm grateful that, you know, I got the chance to do that. And of course, therapy, like I'm a big fan of, you know, going to therapy and I consistently have, you know, for years now. And that was a really powerful space for me. And I got to hire a Latina therapist as well. Um, and that really, you know, was important for me um, because I needed, I needed that. I needed to explore that. And I'm still unpacking that. I think that as we are looking at um, all of the racial injustice that we've seen, particularly against black bodied people, we have to come up against so many uh, different parts of ourselves that are disowned, that mm -hmm. were, you know, ignored. Um, and really just looking at all of it. So I definitely have been in that process that I'm going to continue to be because I think it's, I think the more we do that, the more healing we'll all have. Mm -hmm. We, that piece is coming up in the world for a reason. Right. And so it's no surprise that also my book is coming out at this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think that it's um, a requirement or more beneficial for people to see therapists or wellness practitioners that reflect their background in them? I think it depends. You know, I think it depends. I, I believe that we need certain teachers and certain healers at different times in our life. 
And I believe that we can learn from all people. You know, I don't believe that you only learn from people that are from your same background. Of course Mm -hmm. not. No, we need to learn from different cultures. We need to learn from different people um, so that we can appreciate other people's cultures and backgrounds. That's the beauty, right? We don't want to be like each other. We want to honor each other's differences and value people as people, right? As divine. So there's not one way, but I believe that if you're specifically, right, going through these issues of cultural identity and needing to reclaim those parts, then it might be beneficial for you to see someone that can really understand your experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're a Black woman that's going through issues that pertain to Black-bodied people, then going to a Black therapist might be the most comforting and safe experience for you to not have to worry about what you're thinking about or how you're affecting or impacting that person. Mm -hmm. And so I really do believe in having certain spaces that allow for um, those conversations that are very specific to, you know, black experience or, um, you know, Latinx or people of color. And so it's, and you know, the, the funny thing is that people will say, you know, well, isn't that reverse racism? No, it isn't. You know, there's no such thing. Yeah. And so, you, you know, please break that down because I've said that a few times and people are like, yeah, there is such thing as a reverse racism. And I was like trying to put it in context of like, yes, black people can be racist, but there's no such thing as reverse racism. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll leave place. it to the experts to, to, <laughs> I'm not, you know, uh, anti-racism expert, and I don't want to give wrong information, but what I will say is that um, their systemic racism is something that's caused by a system, right? And so you can't possibly reverse that. There's no, like, it's like when they did affirmative action for Black and POC communities to be able to get into school. It wasn't that they were doing that as a, like, free pass. It was that it was systemically corrupt. And so they're, they're, they were at an extreme disadvantage. So doing that was not even making the playing field equal. Yeah. It was just doing something to make, you know, essentially make up for in some way, all of the damage they had done. But, um, you know, I am a big fan of telling people to go to experts that are, you know, yeah. skilled in talking about those topics. So if you're interested in that, definitely check out somebody that actually focusing on that. All I know is that, you know, my focus has been on making sure that I create spaces that are safe for Latinx and POC communities and, and directing people to go to whatever they feel that they need. So going back to that question with, you know, therapists, it could be really helpful. I've had different nationality therapists, you know, um, Arabic, uh, white, um, you know, Latina, and they've all come at different times, a male therapist at one point for a very short period of time. So really listen to your gut and know that you should be empowered when you choose your therapist. Don't feel mm-hmm. like because they're a quote unquote expert that you just have to sit with them. I've heard a lot of stories about people not feeling validated by their therapist, not yeah. being honored in their spirituality. That is not the way it goes. So if you feel any of those things, do not stick with that therapist. Find someone that you feel a soul click with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's incredibly important. Um, so, I mean, even in my own experiences, like I've been through, through, through a few therapists and been like, nah, not you. Cause you can't like the, the questions I would get back sometimes would be so invalidating of my experience. And I'm like, ah, you know, this doesn't, this just doesn't feel like healing to me. I feel like I'm That's on the right. defensive That's and right. I feel like I have to explain my experience and, and keep explaining it. 
And that person not understanding me in front of me, it doesn't let me heal. It makes me leave that appointment feeling gaslit. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not great. So um, I think, I think that's a, such an important point to make. So now we're going to move and switch gears into the magic of Diosa. Um, yeah. And what that looks like. Yes. Like, the book is so beautiful. I love the artwork on it. It's so pretty. Um, and so, okay. So just, if you can give me the idea of like, you know, what is it, what does it really mean to come back home to ourselves? What does that feel like? What does that look like? What's the process in, in really understanding why it's important and more, I guess, more importantly, what benefit it has? I think that in order to know why it's so important to come back home to yourself, oftentimes we need to leave ourselves. And in the leaving of ourselves or the abandonment of ourselves, we realize how much we miss being in ourselves. And so oftentimes we abandon ourselves because we've gone through trauma, because we've gone through pain, because we've let go of our wishes, our desires, our, you know, our hopes, our dreams. And we feel soul sick when we do yeah. that. And when we feel soul sick, we have something that kind of wakes up inside that says there's more, right? Like, where can I find more of me? I want to become more myself because innately that's what we have inside of us is like this spiritual kind of path to become who we're meant to be. Right. And there's like this divine kind of like blueprint of who each individual person is meant to be. And so when we get off track, we have like an alarm that comes up. that's like, okay, let's go. Like, let's get back to center. Let's find ourselves. And so for me, really all of the things that we go through in life is about teaching us so that we can come back to ourselves so that we can reclaim who we really are meant to be. Because that's the only way we're going to feel fulfilled in our life if we're standing in the truth of who we are. And so if you are, you know, off track, if you are in a place where, you know, you've gone through a lot of shit in your life and you're like, oh, I need to find myself, right? That's the first step is knowing that you disconnected, that you that you, as a result of whatever you've gone through, have disconnected. And the goal is to reconnect back so that you can feel embodied, so that you can feel aligned, so that you can feel on track. And on track doesn't mean that everything's perfect. On track means you're doing the work necessary for you to show up to become the person you're meant to be. And people get confused with that because they think, you know, so me being at home in myself means that everything is like, you know, chilling and everything's great and everything's, and it's like, Yes, things do change for the better and things do become more fulfilling, right? Yeah. And patterns shift. And in the beginning of that journey back home to yourself, you have to face all of those demons from the past. You have to look at all those core wounds and you have to face uncomfortable things. That's why I'm a big fan of therapy and community so that you have that support as you're coming back home to yourself. You shouldn't do this alone. Yeah, yeah. So as someone is coming back home to themselves, what does it look like for them to tap into their wild feminine? Um, yeah. You spoke about this and said like how it is accessible to everyone because everybody has masculine and feminine or um, trying to figure out a new way to say that like yin and yang energy, um, just you know, so people know the be and the do energies. Um, but what does that look like? You said, I, I was hearing something you were talking about, the creatrix, the wild feminine, the kundalini shakti, you know, like all of those things. What does it mean to embrace that and allow that to be a part of the process that returns us back to home. 
Yeah. So, you know, part of my path has been learning about the divine feminine, about Shakti, about, you know, through Tantra. And my specific path is the Sri Vidya path um, based in India. Um, and it's more based on goddess worship. And so when, when you look at the body as like an altar and your body is a sacred kind of medium to pray to and connect to and activate those kind of energy points in your body, when you realize that you are part of the great she, that you're part of the cosmic mother, that you hold that creative, <coughs> bless you, excuse me, <laughs> that you hold that creative energy in your body then you realize that even in those moments where you're feeling weak, that you can tap into something far greater than yourself. And when you do that, there's like a light switch that turns on. And that light switch that turns on allows you to feel bigger than your fears, feel more faith than your worries. And for me personally, that Shakti is sexual is creative is loving is fierce is communicative knows her worth knows her her value and sets standards that align with the divinity that she is right like i always say like are you bringing flowers and gifts of love to the altar that is me mm-hmm. and and vice versa right that we that we learn to be in like this state of offering and realizing that you are this holy temple that deserves to be honored in that way. And so that wild feminine is, is not, um, doesn't belong to a specific gender or sexuality. Um, she goes beyond all of that. And in essence really is like this energy that goes beyond words. We just use the, these words that we have because that's how we communicate, but it goes beyond that and tapping into that, realm allows us to realize that you are far greater than what you ever thought possible. Mm. That empowerment of, of tapping into that energy. Cause I think for, I mean, obviously growing up in our current society, uh, it's not something that's valued as much openly, at least mainstream wise. And yeah. people are getting better at it and, and acknowledging it more. We're having this huge shift into that feminine energetic energy, um, to be able to receive and to, you know, I love that you said like that worship of ourselves, even, which we've been trained out of conditioned out of with a lot of religion and other things that are like, uh, 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 no, no goddess worship here. (laughs) You know, like that is against God and us then adapting a type of, uh, archetype within ourselves that a lot continues to put ourselves down that kid says we're less than, we're not as talented, we're not as intuitive, um, we can't do this, we're not as empowered, we have to look to someone else's validation of ourselves in order to, to step into something, we need someone else to tell us. But what you're saying is that, no, you have the power within you all along and that, that we have that ability. So if, if that is the case, how do we tap into that? Yeah, I, I feel like we do have the power in us all along, but at the same time, Sometimes we need people to love us until we can love ourselves, right? And that's where community comes in Mm -hmm. so that we can remind each other of, you know, I see your worthiness, even if you can't see it. And this is part of the process of what like a healthy healer does for you, right? They temporarily hold the space for you to be able to love all the parts of you, the shadow, Mm -hmm. the light, the fears, the hopes, the dreams, and sisterhood or community can do that for us, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like the first step is acknowledging that, we are not in that space, right? The first step is acknowledging that and realizing 
and just knowing that there's more. And there's a process of faith that's required in that because you have to trust the great mystery of the unknown, of that leap of faith of like, okay, I'm going to leave this, but what's next? And that's massive to, to know so that you can take comfort in those moments be, before you take that great leap that mm-hmm. you might not know what's on the other end of it, but just a trusting and knowing, like admitting the parts of yourself that are not there, uh, understanding what's not working and then thinking or dreaming up what could possibly be on the other side. Because a lot of us do have that in us. We do have it, but we just have to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. And when we ask those questions, we give the opportunity for our soul to kind of come through and communicate with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can you talk to me about, like um, you did talk in your book about, I don't, I don't remember if it was three archetypes or three phases of healing Um, or if they were differentiated, I'm not sure. Um, but the three phases of healing, you explained that a little bit. Can you, can you go into that? Yeah. So it's almost like this, the hero's journey, right? Like kind of leaving away from our home in order to disconnect, right? Facing the, the kind of dragons and demons that come along the way, which become our spiritual tests, right? How do we deal with them? And then returning back home to ourselves, but with our new tools, with mm-hmm. the new faith, with the heroine's journey, the, the hero's journey, whatever you want to call it, right? As Joseph Campbell said, but being able then to come back and come back with this newfound wisdom from that journey. And mm-hmm. so oftentimes that, you know, that goes back to what we were talking about before in order to find ourselves, we need to leave and then yeah. discover things and then come back. Yeah. Um, when you do your uh, Diosa retreats, what are some common themes that you see throughout uh, the people that attend that they, they're struggling the most with paradigms, mentalities, narratives. I think the effects of trauma, you know, for, for most people that come to me, it's the effects of trauma, like what they've gone through in their childhood, how that's impacted them. And usually they're just like these badass strong women that have, you know, had to keep it together and that despite all odds have made it in many ways, Mm -hmm. but that haven't had the emotional space to kind of break and have someone hold them and mother them and nurture them. And, you know, that's where I come in as this kind of channel between, you know, this mundane world and spirit world and just temporarily holding space for them in community with other badass diosas that give them the space to not be perfect, to share their vulnerability, to share those pain points, to share their hurts, their fears, their stories. Because a lot of times they don't even have the space to share those stories. Mm -hmm. And then most of them come with a desire to love themselves more, mm-hmm. you know, more deeply and to, to really look at the ways that their past has affected their present, own their triggers, look at the ways that they've settled and find new ways of being that honors the true Diosa, the true whole self, the true divine self that they are. Mm-hmm. That, that is a powerful thing because I know in healing for, for myself, the, the best thing that people have given me when I've needed community was holding space, um, not to fix it for me, not to, to override and say, you got to do this and you got to do this. Cause oftentimes when people are in their pain, we, it makes us uncomfortable. And so we try to find ways in which to like, Oh, maybe you should do this or whatever to solve it for them. But like, ultimately like they, they have to get through their pain. And so that holding space for them to give them the opportunity to, to fall apart, to break, like you said, um, yeah 
where, you know, we've, we've, ah, oh, we have to carry so much, so much. Mm -hmm. I had maybe recently, I, I mean, even being in a new relationship, like I've had some situations that where I felt like I just, I just broke because it was the first time I've had someone really hold space for that for me. And re recognizing that, like kind of how you said earlier, that, that some, that person essentially saying, I see something in you, you don't see in yourself and holding that space to allow you to bloom. And so, um, you know, congrats on your new nuptials. <laughs> um, so how in relationship partnership and community has that essentially holding space allowed you to bloom? I think that one of the greatest gifts that I personally had was being able first my sobriety, mm -hmm. uh, because my sobriety really gave me the gift of, I call it like my soul glue because it really had things stick. And what I mean by that is that I was doing all these changes, but there was still something in me that needed a sticking factor that made everything good stay. I needed something. And that something for me was my sobriety. And that was the first time that I had this space where I had my therapist, I had my friends, like I, I've, I've had community, but it was, maybe I was ready for it in a different way. And they have a, a line that says, let me love you until you can love yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was the first time I started to really, really, really dedicate myself to romantic relationships specifically, which has been my wound. It's been my, you know, my greatest area. It's still the area where I have to like really give extra love to like career has always been super easy for me. And I think we all have areas that we're great in and others that we struggle in. It's like our spiritual tacoon, um, which is like that thing that you came to earth to repair mm -hmm. and to learn spiritually from. And so that was where I really got serious. I was like reading books. I was like, you know, go to meetings. I was, I even went to a retreat on relationship. Like I started to get really unapologetic about the fact that I wanted to go in, go in, like really go in. And from there, I, my relationship started changing for the better. And I remember specifically the, the biggest reason being that I wasn't needing anything outside of myself. I was getting all of that from source. Mm -hmm. And I was in a state of, of faith that no matter what, I had my back. And that spirit had my back and that I had my community and my sobriety. And that was my one focus and having that focus on me and my healing and my own self-love deep, deep, deep inside me that ultimately that's the only thing I can control, right? But really divine's in charge that allowed me to open up the space for saying, okay, I'm ready. And I, that was my theme before I met my partner too. The word was ready. I'm ready for it all. Mm -hmm. And that also meant ready for it all to face my shadows to a whole new level. Mm -hmm. That meant, you know, like you said, having a partner that actually can hold the space for like this big kind of personality and energy and uh, joy and sadness and all of the things that I embody, right? Like this multidimensional being and being able to have someone say, let me hold you and let me show you those parts that you need to allow to like soften, and so for me, that has been, you know, the, the greatest gift. And I think the, the spiritual lesson that, that God always had in store for me, mm -hmm. you know, like that was where it was at. And I still feel like that softening. I was talking to one of my girlfriends the other day and we were saying like, you know, we have to let our husbands love us. And, you know, that can sound strange to someone maybe 
you know, like, why wouldn't you if someone's so good or like so amazing to you? Like, why wouldn't you? But when you have a pattern of being so strong and doing everything on your own, it can be hard to like really soften, Mm -hmm. um, to, to let that love in. So my, my, um, my goal is to continue to allow myself to let people hold me deeper and deeper and closer and closer. And it's still an unshedding process because I grew up having to be strong. So mm-hmm. now that I'm in a space that's actually safe, I need to allow myself to receive that even more. So I, I would say I'm still in that process of receiving. And um, it's, it's nice to know that like a lot of my, my diosas that I, I speak to and my, my girls that we have that now that you have attracted, you know, people that are really loving and kind and can hold the space, but giving yourself the permission to receive it is the next oh, step. Oh, damn. Yeah. That's a whole different ball game. Cause <laughs> I like, um, I was in, I was in Bali actually, uh, the, earlier this year and I was sitting in, uh, like a deep transcendental meditation. I was doing yoga with a girlfriend of mine who I adore shout out to Adina, if you're listening. Um, and we're sitting in this, this deep, deep, deep meditation. And I was, um, you know, I had a crazy astral projection the night before. So I felt like I was talking to aliens or something like that, you know, all the weird stuff that I do. But there was this, there was this moment where I got a picture of a situation that happened in my life that, um, it was, it was so random. It was, um, my coach, I had a gymnastics coach when I was in sixth grade and him coming to me and asking me for the money that I owed for this quarter or whatever for gymnastics classes and me going back to my parents and being like, do you guys have the money for this? And then being like, Oh no, we don't have the money yet. Like, you know, whatever. And me watching this, this play out in my head as a small theater of the moment when I realized like empathically, like me asking for something hurts the people Mm. I love Mm. and me making that connection to that. So um, what ended up happening is that um, I was in sixth grade or something. I got a C on a math test or something. My dad was, oh, your grades are slipping. You got to quit gymnastics, which wasn't the actual reason. It's just that my parents couldn't afford the lessons anymore, but they made it my fault. And mm-hmm. that made a huge, massive parenting slip. But that they, and that that's when I learned, okay, I can't depend on anybody. I cannot, I don't need to ask or can't ask for things because it hurts the people that I love. And um, I will do everything myself. I'll make sure. So I got a job when I was 13 and yeah. like buy my own clothes. I bought my own car. Like, and that's who I've been for over Turned half my life. Overly like the, the little parent, as they say, right? Like exactly. you went into that gear. Yep. Exactly. And that was at 12, you know, 11 or 12. So young. yeah, super young. So I had this, this theater playing in front of me. And then my spirit guide being like, you need to learn how to ask for help. You need to learn how to receive. And mm-hmm. until you do that, you will not find the love that you're looking for because yeah. there's no space for it. There yeah. it would be no point. You would be with someone you would never allow yourself to let that in. And that's, that's right. This part. And it's so beautiful, right? Like how you made that connection between this left, this downloaded blueprint of when I ask it hurts people. And there was some kind of hidden information as well now this is removed from you because you did this, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we make those connections, we, we live by those for many years to, to no fault of our own. It's really just the way the brain kind of registers yeah. information so we can bring consciousness and, and love to those areas. And really some of those are deeper than others, right? Some right. of them are like really easy. You just get, and then there's these ones you don't even know why did that impact me so much, right? Or like, what was it about that? But they do. 
And when you find them, it's, it's really powerful because like you're plucking out that thorn and you're getting to look at and nurture and heal and love up that specific memory, that specific way that that took place in your life, how it affected your psyche, how that changed your personality to then make you like this, like, I'm going to do this myself and how that impacts our relationships. Right. And so we all have those things. And in the book, you know, I talk about how those past triggers uh, or those past emotional um, woundings from our childhood also impact our present and our future. And so this is the moment where we need the most patience, the most compassion with ourselves, the most like, oh my God, you know, that is where that came from. Okay. How, what is one way that I can begin to allow someone in a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. What's one way that I can practice actually receiving the love that's here for me? Or what's one way that I can trust that if I ask for my needs, that it doesn't necessarily mean that, um, that I'm going to end up hurting someone, right? That it's not going to be taken away from me. Mm-hmm. And we can only do that by slowly A, becoming aware of it, but also then by changing small things. And so, you know, going back to that example that I was giving when my, my girlfriend and I were speaking about this, right, receiving more love and um, was really focusing on all the ways that we're being loved. Because subconsciously, what happens is that we're sitting in a place of looking for the ways that we're not being loved or right looking for when it's going to leave or looking for how it's going to hurt us or impact us. And that is the the trick, these small micro adjustments that we can start making Mm -hmm. as we uh, can go on this journey back to loving ourselves. And so it's really important that we find those places in our psyche, in our story. So we can say, okay, let me love up this part of myself. Let me try to give this area of my life a little bit more attention Mm -hmm. so that I can heal this part of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that I feel is so powerful. It is so powerful to, to at least make that acknowledgement and start that shift of that pattern because energetically, even like what we are able to call in on a frequency level will be reflected back at us based on the mirror that we uh, exert ourselves. And so I think that that's so cool that you really, really touched in on that. Um, so wh- can you explain to me uh, what Kundalini Shakti is? Yeah. So Kundalini is also known as kind of like the snake energy that lives at the bottom of your spine. Mm -hmm. And it represents like this coiled energy, this energy that is connected to the creative energy of the universe. Um, And this can sound really esoteric and kind of, you know, out there. Which I'm here for. (laughs) Exactly. But what it really is, uh, is that there's different ways to activate it. You know, someone can activate you um, that is connected to this energy called Shaktipat. Um, you can activate it through breath work, through yoga, and it's often best to do this with someone that's trained. And if you have any kind of mental health issues, um, it's not recommended that um, you do this without someone that is uh, skilled at it, right? Mm-hmm. And as always, I always tell people to be mindful about, about the way things affect them personally, because it's going to be very different for everyone. Mm-hmm. I can, and it can be quite an intense process. Um, but essentially for me personally, that experience with Kundalini was touching base with that energy of the universe and uh, doing specific breathwork exercises, tapping into this like divine feminine and really uncoiling the energy that was all tied up at the bottom of the spine and really allowing it to open up and spiral up 
mm-hmm. and spiraling up completely uh, through the spine and all the way out um, of the crown and through the root and all throughout my body. And that was the reminder that we are connected to life force mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. And in many spiritual traditions, they have this, even in Christianity, the concept of the Holy Spirit, although it might be seem very different in many ways, um, they're related. They're not the same, but it's related. And what I mean by that is like, you are tapping into an energy that's greater than you, that fills you, and that fills you with a static energy. And this energy comes from God you know, from source, whatever you want to call it, goddess, it really doesn't matter. Right. But it's an energy that goes beyond this realm. And, you know, the whole, the whole shebang, like you can speak in tongues, you can, you know, all of that kind of those mystical experiences happen when you connect to that greater power. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is that hopefully the, the goal for me is that it's in a grounded way. What are these practices if not for your life to become changed by them, right? Like there's nothing cool about like having these aesthetic practices and then nothing changes. So I'm a real fan of integrating them in a grounded way so that like, it's not just a cool experience, but that you're actually able to say, okay, well, as a result of this, I now have a deeper faith in spirit because I could feel it in my body. And that was the case for me. I was like, holy shit, this is real. Like, this is not pretend. This is not just like in a book. This is for real. And, you know, it made me feel closer to spirit. Mm -hmm. I love that you connected that to um, the Holy Spirit because, you know, when people catch the Holy Ghost and they're dancing around and shaking up and stuff. I mean, some people are doing it for performance, but some people are actually catching the spirit, catching the spirit. And, um, we all might call it different things, but it's something that's very real. I had an experience where I was trying to do an astral travel projection and I started to feel that whole sensation of me floating above my body and getting close to the ceiling and the whole deal. And then I got really scared and I was like, no, 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 go back into your body. And I rushed back in and I started to have what felt like a seizure and I was having the shaking, like all the shaking or whatever, very, very similar. And it lasted what felt like about 10 minutes, which is a long time. And so, um, I shot up, I finally got out of that, that state and went to Google right away. And I was like, astral projection seizures, da, 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 da. And I, over and over and over people were saying like, this was Kundalini awakening. This was like the big, yeah. it was at the base of my spine. And as yeah. I was shaking and essentially seizing, and I know that guys who are listening, you might think this sounds really scary. Um, it doesn't manifest itself in that way for everyone, but it was, it was definitely like, I felt this other realm energy inside of me. Um, that was so powerful. It scared me. And like after, upon getting out of that state, I was like, okay, I have to, I have to find out more about this. I have to know what this means. And actually it was after that, that, um, you know, I've already been kind of mediumistic and had a connection to spirit in that way. But like, there was something else that, I started to acquire. It was my channeling gifts started to come in. I was having a lot more prophetic dreams. There's all kinds of other stuff that started happening with that connection. And I even heard that um, the tradition, the ancient tradition that talks about um, uh, the Christian tradition about the three days on the cross and rising up and all these other things are actually symbolic for the Kundalini rising. And it's like the three, it takes uh, three days of this I don't know, type of energy to kind of come up the spine and into the pineal gland and then to activate this particular, what they call the sun in the brain in order to make that connection to spirit. And I was like, what? you know, I don't know if that's actually true, but as a theory, it yeah, sounds super it cool. Is. 
Yeah. And it's very interesting to see how things cross over. Like I've always been very interested in like cross comparative, like, you know, religions and seeing how things are similar and because they do all relate in some way, maybe they have a different taste or different food kind of like, you know, you, it's like, it may be in the same family, but it's a right. little different. It's all chicken, but you like all make it different ways. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like that. Um, so I think that that's very similar. And, and what matters to me more than anything um, is that people find ways that actually help them to be better in life, mm-hmm. that help them to actually have, because people can get lost in that kind of world and like, you know, get so consumed in it. Like, I'm not about yeah. like the glitz and glamour of like having experiences without yeah. it actually creating sustainable changes that are healthy for them. And so you could do this without all of that, you know, fancy, you yeah. know, stuff. And if those things happen, then they can be really profound and they have happened to me and I'm, and I'm grateful for them. But also, like you said, it can be really intense and, you know, and if you don't have someone guiding you through that, it can be too much. So I would definitely like, for the sake of this conversation, what I would tell people is to focus on the very simple things that you can do to connect to spirit in a way that makes you feel better in your everyday life. Um, And the pursuit of that will be much more sustainable for you in the long run. And if you have these experiences, let them be experiences that you say, now, how can I apply this in my life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How can I ground into this experience and and apply this into my life? Beautiful. I love that too. Cause like, yeah, we do get on the show and talk about all kinds of crazy stuff that happens and it's fun to talk about it. I'm interested in it, of course, but the, the things that have probably made the most transformation have been some of the smaller elements, the, the day-to-day kind of stuff that it's like, how can I implement this and let this really, really make, um, you know, incredible change in my life. So I want to ask you like what, what part of your book, um, was the most challenging to write? I mean, to be honest, it was all challenging. Writing <laughs> was challenging. Um, yeah. you know, I have written poems and I've always expressed myself through writing in some way for like self-healing since mm-hmm. I was a little girl and, um, writing online and, you know, on my posts and my captions but I don't consider myself like, it's not like I went to school to be a writer or, you know, I, I'm a healer, a guide, a, you know, a mentor, um, a therapist, but this is a way for me to give that energy and those downloads in a way that people can get easier. Mm-hmm. And so for me, genuinely writing a book was really challenging and I'm excited that I did that because I like to grow and I like to stretch and I like to to do things that are hard in a way uh because it makes me feel like I'm tapping into different parts of myself that I'm like holy shit like how you know can I can I actually do this you know and and so that really it it was the whole process really but um along that alongside that challenging energy was also great like excitement to be able to kind of see my teachings and see the work of the goddesses that have worked with me and all these beautiful diosas um, and getting to, to kind of put some of those tools down onto paper so people can find what they like and, you know, leave what they don't like. Mm-hmm. And so the whole journey was, was challenging. It wasn't just one part, but it was also really, really rewarding. Yeah. The reason I asked you that question, it was a guided question, actually. Like I heard one of my guides say it and I was like, what, why would I ask that question? But, um, 
to, to me, because like to step into that Diosa energy is to be able to embody and empower yourself with even the hard things that you might not feel like you can do. And yeah. you being in a space of like being like, I have something to offer the world. I have something, I have a purpose and a mission that I'm here for. And just because I don't look like, or I don't sound like, or I don't feel like a person who can exactly. step into this space, like I absolutely can. So I want you guys listening to really, really, really hear her words on that because it will be challenging, but your purpose and your mission on earth might not be something that you're just naturally good at. It, I mean, it could be, but like you might have the thing that you offer the world, it will be a stretch and will grow you in ways that will empower you and, and bring you into that kingdom goddess energy to really, really step forward and change the world. Oh yeah. And I love that. And I, and I hope someone takes something from that really. Cause you know, even speaking on stage, you know, I say like, I, you know, I got paid to speak on stages right now we have COVID, so we're not doing any of that, but I prefer small groups, you know, mm-hmm. naturally like little Christine, like not little girl Christine, but like the small I, right. Mm-hmm. Like I personality, Christine prefers small groups, but spirit, soul, Diosa, higher self, divine energy uses me the way it would have me be used to do what needs to be done to be the hands and feet of the divine. Right. And that's none of my business. And so mm-hmm. I kind of just have to show up for what spirit says. So sh- mm-hmm. spirit said, write the book. Okay. So I have to write the book. Um, yeah. spirit says, go on stage. Okay, fine. I have to go on stage. Um, literally I peed on myself once before I went on, on, <laughs> on like on TV for something. And I was like, okay, thank God I'm wearing stockings. I did a little clean up. And I, but like, I was so nervous because that is a part of my personality as well. Although people don't usually perceive me as being like more introverted or shy. I, I, I am, mm-hmm. and I'm an introverted extrovert. And so I have both sides to me. And, and so, yeah, it's not naturally like good. There might be some, some parts of it that I light up while I do mm-hmm. it. Like I still really love writing and I still really love speaking on stage, but it wouldn't be my first go-to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. I love that. So people know like, yeah, you might be pushed. Mm-hmm. And it might call you into something you're yeah. not comfortable. Yeah. Doing. You might be pushed, but if there's a higher purpose then go for it, because that's the thing. Like I don't need to be perfect. I just need to have my heart and soul in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just need to give to the, my best ability and whatever comes of it. Like my prayer has always been, if this helps at least one person, I'm good. Yeah. Wow. That gives me chills. Cause that is what I said after I wrote my second book, I was like, if this helps two people, I'm good. I'll be happy That's with it. that. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I'm good. Whew. Keeps it grounded. Keeps it humble. Yeah. yeah, it does. Um, so last message that you would like for our collective to hear that no matter what experiences you have gone through the hard the difficult the ugly the moments where you wonder why this again that there is a part of you that is rooting for you so strongly that knows exactly the highest version of who you are meant to be in this incarnation and that I want you to listen to that part of you that is orienting you towards the good. That's orienting towards that even bigger version that you can even possibly believe. And to just keep it one little step at a time, keep it one little step at a time, keep showing up and asking yourself, is this bringing me closer to the person I want to be or farther away from the person I want to be? And slowly starting to get support, 
so that you can make those steps to walk closer to the person you want to be. And you might stumble and that's okay. You will, but you can keep on getting back up again with the support of people that love you and that are rooting for you. And just know that you're innately worthy. Like you don't really have to do anything or be anything or say anything. You are just worthy. You are born worthy. Beautiful. Girl, we're going to take the rest of this conversation over to Patreon here. Um, but before we go from this podcast, what, uh, where can people find you? Where can people buy your book? You can go buy my book at IamDiosaBook.com and you'll get lovely uh, bonus gifts. It's uh, available wherever books are sold, in hardcover, in audiobook, in Kindle. I recommend getting the hardcover and audiobook if you can. Um, and then having a journal alongside you, you can even bring this book to your therapist's office. It's that kind of book. Mm-hmm. And um, what I want to say to close with that is that when you're supporting my book, and this was a download I got yesterday with my dear um, sister, Anna Flores, the creator of We All Grow. You're not just supporting my book. You're supporting the elevation of diverse voices in a very marginalized kind of community and underrepresented community. And the more successful my book is, uh, the more successful we will have at our chances of more Black, Indigenous people of color getting book deals and getting good book deals with big publishing houses with big money. Mm-hmm. And that's important for people to know. Like beyond the the spiritual conversation we're having, there's a very big power in our purchasing power. Yeah. So it matters. And if you love it, leave a review. It, it really makes a difference. Yeah. Well, guys, go find her. She is a wealth of information. And I love that she's got all of the, the credentials on one side, but all the spiritual stuff on the other side. You're brilliant. And if you guys like this episode, don't forget to rate and subscribe so you never miss another one. And definitely send this episode to someone that you love. We will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye, my love. I hope you guys enjoyed such a juicy episode that woman has so many wonderful things to offer and make sure you sign up for patreon to see (laughs) the juiciness of um, her and her partner's love story her and her husband uh it we we got into it for a while together afterwards and it was it was very um insightful and entertaining (laughs) to say the least um while i was recording uh all the stuff for this episode um, my grandfather went ahead and, and crossed over. So, um, yeah, I'm having some thoughts about that. Processing death is, is such an interesting thing and everybody does it very differently. But when I'm finished with all this recording, I'm going to see if I can connect with him and if, if he is, if he's willing to talk to me. So we'll see. Uh, okay. Well, let's get to our card reading. If that wasn't too heavy for you guys. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I'm so honest on here. It is maybe TMI, but I hope you guys appreciate that. All right. Our weekly wisdom card is the sixth chakra, Archangel Metatron, which is uh, our sixth chakra is our third eye chakra. And so this is about trusting your vision and connecting with your intuition that this week it's very important for you to set some focus and intention towards what it is that you're able to intuit. What is the universe telling you? What is your higher self telling you? What are your ancestors telling you? And how are they trying to communicate? I did not pick this card on purpose. (laughs) I feel like this card is talking to me. Um, But being able to connect to that 
part of yourself and connect to pieces that maybe don't seem so logical or rational, but come from within you. It said, um, I almost feel a little bit jarred because as I was reading that, I heard a noise in the background. <laughs> I said that, um, maybe you guys will hear on the playback, my grandfather speaking to us. Um, but in that, like trusting your, your third eye, trusting the intuition that comes to you. My common theme from a lot of my clients this week was that they don't trust themselves. And so when intuition comes in, we often look for further validation or rationalization or something to kind of bargain ourselves out of that saying that was a coincidence or that was something else. And I think it's very important that this week, especially as we pass the veil and Halloween and all those things that we look deeper into ourselves and say, what resonates with us? What feels good to us? What is our truth? And why is it our truth? Dig deep this week and figure that out for yourselves. I hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you.